Hello, hello everyone. You are listening to The Success Palette, a place to discuss everything that you are not taught in school about how to be successful in the arts. I'm your host, Soda, and today we are going to talk about hypnotherapy in the arts, how hypnotherapy can boost creativity and also get rid of some of those blocks that might be holding us back. And to help me out with that, I have Carolyn Boras, who is an RTT hypnotherapist. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And do you want to explain a little bit about what the difference is between an RTT hypnotherapist and a normal hypnotherapist? Sure. Um, RTT stands for rapid transformational therapy. And so what we do in RTT is we access the subconscious to get to the root cause of the limiting belief. We don't just um, uh, deal with uh, positive suggestions, positive affirmations, that sort of thing. We get to the, we use the subconscious to access the the root cause of the limiting belief. And so from there, we can start to make changes. So if if you imagine that um, it, uh, you see politicians and you see people in public speaking, they tend to stand with their fingers like this. And they do that because because it's it, it there there isn't any tension on your fingers or your arm or your shoulder you can stand like this very comfortably for a long period of time both sides of the equation are balanced both sides of the puzzle fit together if you imagine for terms of our discussion today if you imagine that this hand is the person who has all of the knowledge and the skills to do the task that they have to do, the, the, the actor who knows what he needs to do to memorize the lines, um, the writer who knows what he needs to do to submit the book out, outline on time. <clears throat> if, you, if, if this person has all of the knowledge and skills to do that task, but something is getting in the way, they're getting in their own way. They can only get to a certain point and then, then nothing is happening. If you imagine this hand is the other part of the equation that involves the self-love and the self-belief. I can get on stage and I can perform to a standing ovation. I can submit the pottery to the gallery on time. If If there isn't that, then these two pieces of the equation cannot fit together. And so what we do in rapid transformational therapy in RTT with hypnotherapy, we access the subconscious to find out what is that root cause that is giving you that belief that says you can't do it. You're, you're going to freeze up when you're on stage. You're never going to get the book submitted on time. So once we can look at what that is that's holding us back, then we can do something about it. You can't change what you don't understand. And understanding is very powerful. So in hypnosis, understanding is hugely powerful. And quite often when people are go back to the root cause of what is holding them back, quite often we go back to scenes in our childhood. Not all the time. Sometimes 
but if if you think a particular scene that has come up, if something happened to you when you were 10 years old, you interpreted that scene using your 10-year-old brain. You interpreted the words that were said, the things that happened, the tone of voice that was used, the look that was given. You interpreted that with your 10-year-old brain. And you didn't have the knowledge or the understanding or the language to say at the time, hey, what's going on? Why is this happening? And so that incident caused you to form a belief about yourself. And unbeknownst to you, that belief has what has been driving your behavior for the last 20, 25, 30 years. And so when we can look at that event, if it happened in childhood, for example, if we can look at it with adult eyes and adult understanding, then we can do something to flip that belief, to transform it so that you can move ahead and get what you want. So that these two parts of the puzzle now start to end up being connected. So you can go on stage and get a standing ovation. So you can submit the manuscript on time. So you can um, uh, submit the, the piece of pottery or whatever it happens to be. So you can choreograph the, the dance number. Um, another way of looking at it is if you imagine that the limiting beliefs are like anchors and they're underneath the surface, you know, we can't see them. We don't know what's holding us back, but attached to the anchors, there are these chain links. Well, once you break one of the chain links, the rest of the links are no longer attached to the anchor. Once you break the chain link, you can't unbreak it. Once you know something, you can't unknow it, if that makes any sense. So then yeah. we can come back together and we can end up getting this balance. So my senior year of college, I was struggling. I did not think I was going to make it through. I had all these these big final animation projects I needed to finish for my portfolio and I I was struggling. I could not be creative because I was just dealing with so much depression and trauma at the time. And I know quite a few of my actor friends had had a lot of help from hypnotherapy in their acting abilities and overcoming some of their struggles. So I did I did reach out to a hypnotherapist and did a few sessions and my parents absolutely were not about it because in their minds, hypnotherapy was, you know, like like the stage hypnotherapy of making you quack or the Scientology hypnotherapy that was quite prevalent over there. So there's a lot of negative connotation. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about some of the misconceptions that people might have about hypnotherapy. There are a few common misconceptions about hypnotherapy, as you know. One of them is... Um, when you're in hypnotherapy, you lose control. And that's just definitely not true. Uh, in hypnotherapy, which is just simply a deep state of relaxation, that's all it is. Um, when you are in hypnotherapy, you are always in control. You can get out of hypnotherapy anytime you want. All you have to do is open your eyes and you're out of hypnotherapy. So you are always in control. And even if we are 
accessing the subconscious, you and I can still converse to each other with each other. We can still talk to each other. In hypnotherapy, some people believe that because they're not in control, um, I can make them quack like a duck or bark like a dog. I can't do those things. I can't make you do anything you don't want to do. Um, and and the other thing is some people believe that when, you, when you're under hypnosis, when you're in hypnosis, you physically go someplace else. You don't physically go anywhere. You stay where you are unless you get yourself out of hypnosis. You open your eyes, you stand up and you walk out of the room. Then you're someplace else, but then you're no longer in hypnosis either. So those are the common misconceptions that, that, that doesn't occur. The client is always in control. That's the really important thing to get across, I think. What is the difference between hypnotherapy and then the kind of soothing guided meditation that a lot of us do? Well, I think um, in, in traditional hypnotherapy, yes, they use hypnosis and you do, you end up with um, positive suggestions and, you know, and that will, that will work, but it takes time to develop those neural pathways, right? So when you, and then when you do the meditation that we all do, it's like a conscious regression. Do you know, your, your conscious mind is still active and, and still there. We're just relaxed. We haven't accessed the subconscious, right? So so basic, basically, that's it. That's the difference. And so there are things, if you don't necessarily want to have a hypnotherapy session, you can do some activities that can help you discover what might be holding you back. So you can do like a conscious regression. You can get yourself very, very relaxed in a meditative state and then you can think back, go back to a scene in your childhood when you were really, really happy. And when you, when you see that scene, then if you examine that scene with all of your senses, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? Um, uh, what are you perhaps feeling on your skin? Are there some smells or some tastes? When you see yourself when you were really happy, then you can ask yourself, well, what was it that made you happy or what would make you happy? And so maybe your inner child, your younger self, maybe might say, well, it would make me happy to pick up the violin or to do watercolors or to take tap dancing lessons. What you could do then is you could stop that meditation. And if you, want, if you wanted, you could journal those ideas or you could keep going and you could ask that young child, well, if that's what would make me happy, why am I not doing it? Well, what are, what are the things that are blocking me? Why am I not picking up the violin? Why am I not painting? Why am I not tap dancing? And then if you wanted at that point, you could journal that. Or if you wanted to keep going, then you could say to that, that inner child, that younger you, well, what will be the physical, mental, and emotional consequences 
if I don't do what is making me happy. And then see what your inner child, what that young person would say. So that would be a way of using conscious regression, doing that, going into that meditative state to try to, um, you know, find out what is blocking you from getting what you want. Okay. And then with you work, I know you're in Vietnam right now. Yes. Um, working with, with kids, teaching them, you know, dance and being creative themselves. Sure. Sure. What are some ways that you've been able to help clients remotely Mm -hmm. and how, how is that different than working with someone one-on-one in person? Sure. Well, you know, one of the things that we can thank COVID for is how people have found how you can actually do things online. Right. And so I've, I've worked with clients in Australia, in Singapore, back in, back in Canada. And so the advantages of doing work online is that you can do this in the comfort of your own home. You don't have to travel anywhere. Um, and you know, people like, like to feel that safety, right? And so you can get, you can get fabulous results from doing online work. If I were in person with you, then, you know, at a certain point in the session, you know, I could touch your forehead and have you rock and rock your head back and forth as, but online, you do that yourself. You move your head side to side, you know, or in person, for example, when, um, uh, when we are in hypnosis, when we do some deepening activities, uh, you know, I can touch your hands so that your hands drop so that you are now deeply in hypnosis, but online, um, the suggestion, I can give you the suggestion so that you do it yourself. So it's very, very successful online very successful. So, yeah, I, I am so grateful for, you know, I know it's horrible to say, but I am quite grateful for COVID with letting us have more, more online options than we had before as someone who has a hard time, you know, leaving my house. You, you mentioned a few different examples, but what exactly are some limiting beliefs that okay. tend to happen specifically with creatives that you have seen and some of the ways some of your clients have overcome them through hypnotherapy? Sure. Well, um, what we have found is that limiting beliefs tend to fall in one of three categories. Either you have a limiting belief that states, I'm not enough. So I'm not talented enough. I, I, I'm not tall enough. I'm not um, um, coordinated enough. I'm not, uh, I'm not pretty enough. I'm, not, I'm too tall to be in, in the dance troupe. I'm not tall enough to be in the dance troupe. Um, I'm not enough in some, I'm not talented enough to audition for that director. Um, the other limiting belief that that we find is that people um, believe that they can't get what they want for whatever reason. They can't get what they want. The third limiting belief, uh, the third category is that I'm different 
so I cannot connect. And so whatever limiting belief you have, it'll fall into one of those three categories. And so um, I'm not, uh, I don't have enough experience to, um, uh, to audition for that play. When in fact, you have lots of experience, you have lots of knowledge, but you know, I just don't feel, I just don't feel that I have enough experience. Uh, I'm not talented enough. You know, uh, I'm, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not talented enough. I'm, and a lot of times it's so much about not being enough. And, um, so that's keeps us back. So, um, I had, I had one client, for example, uh, a client from Singapore and she had, she did not believe that she could, um, that she could perform. She had this, you know, performance anxiety. She couldn't do it. She couldn't do it. She couldn't do it because, um, she, she couldn't do it. She had all of this anxiety about it. And so when we went back and did the regression, we did three scenes and in those three scenes, her grandmother and her three aunts were in each of the scenes. And the recurring theme in all three of those themes was her grandmother and her aunts kept telling her, why do you keep asking so many questions? You don't have anything important to say. Nobody wants to hear what you say. You should be invisible. You're just a child. On and on and on and on. So when it came time to her adult life, she didn't think that she could you know, perform. She didn't think that anybody would listen to what she had to say. She didn't think she had anything important to say. Um, so why should, so why would she even try? So that led into when she was asked to, to show up. Um, she so procrastinated in getting prepared for the event. She was unmotivated to do everything that she needed to do to get ready for the event. And when she had to be at the venue, she would be there two and a half hours before the, the thing started, even though everything was set up. But, you know, she had to pace. She had to visit the, the ladies' room several times. And, it, and, and she exhibited all of those physical symptoms of, like, performance anxiety, for example, of the dry mouth, the shallow breathing, the sweaty palms, the, you know, this feeling of just being, um, un, un, uh, uh, not being grounded. Right. And so we, we did a session and, um, you know, shortly thereafter she reported to me, um, she'd just given a seven hour workshop speech and she's been doing that you know, since then, and she doesn't need to be at the venue two and a half hours beforehand, and she's not exhibiting the the symptoms of it. And people are saying, we really like what you've had to say. We want to hear more. And so, you know, that's, that's an example, right? And so the, working this way, using RTT is really, really powerful for working with performance anxiety, stage fright, for example, right? Um, or, or for procrastinating, not getting the book outlined to the publisher in time, not submitting the, the art piece to the gallery on time. It's, it's, it works wonders. It's very powerful for that.
Yeah, and it's so interesting how sometimes those memories are things that we we completely forgot about because I know yes. I know for me about maybe a year ago I there was um a memory I had completely forgotten about mm. when I was 10, which is interesting you kept mentioning 10 and that's when a lot of my limiting beliefs kind of go sure. back to when I was 10. My mom she told me, I, I love you, but I need to make art my priority. And she left me to go study art in another country. And I had never thought about how much that, you know, I, I had abandonment issues, but I never thought sure. about the aspect of how I felt that loving your passion, your um, artistic passion leads in my mind that led to that gave me the false belief that you are selfish mm. you will do bad things if you love your art too much your your yes. whatever your passion is what are some ways that at that point they could overcome these blocks with the help of hypnotherapy well so um if you if you if you come to me and we do a session um, then, um, let me, let me outline, uh, what would happen then. So when you make an appointment with me, what we, what we do at first, what we do first is we'll have a 20 minute discovery call where I ask you questions. Um, I find out if we're a fit, I find out if I can help you. And, um, a really important part of the discovery call is to find out if you are in on any kind of medications, for example, because um, uh, if you are schizophrenic or if you have psych psychotic disorders or if you have epilepsy, no hypnotherapy, no, no. And so if I feel that I can help you and if we are a fit, then we would, then we would book in um, an intake call. Now that intake call is around 45 minutes to an hour. That's when I ask you very, very detailed questions. So you describe to me, what exactly is your issue? What triggers the issue? What are some symptoms of the issue? We, we dig down into that. And then what's really important is in your words, you need to describe to me if I had a magic wand and I could get rid of this issue for you, what would your life be like if you, if this issue disappeared? And because you're, because we have to have really descriptive language, your words, you have to tell me what would your life be like? What would you look like? What would you sound like? What would you be doing? How would you carry yourself? Uh, what would a typical day look like? Um, what words would you be saying to yourself? And what would people be saying about you? So we, I have to get that in as much detail as possible because that is important during the session. And I'll, I'll explain why. So once we have the intake session, then we have the actual therapy session. And that's about an hour and a half to two hours. And so we, we do hypnosis. We get into the subconscious. We generally 
explore three scenes to find out what happened to you. What belief did you, what did you start to believe about yourself as a result of that incident? And then in the session, we reframe that, we flip it and we transform it so that you're not carrying that negative belief around. We've, we've transformed that belief into something positive that will help you move in the direction you want to move in. Once we finish the session, that transformation, the words that you have told me that describe your life without the issue, I make a 20-minute recording, a transformation recording for you using your words that you listen to for a minimum of 21 days because it takes time to create new neural connections, right? Um, and after 24 hours, after the session, 24 hours later, I will contact you through WhatsApp or whatever to find out how you're doing. Seven days later, we have a follow-up. And after 21 days, we have a follow-up call. So we can talk about what's happened, what improvements you've seen, you know, what's, what's going to happen going forward. Um, and then, then you decide, well, yeah, everything is great. So, okay. We find that many issues can be resolved in one to three sessions, not all because it depends on the person, depends on the issue. Um, but many issues can be. And so, um, and what people find is that the results can be one of three kinds of results. You can actually have, you can, you can have immediate results, which of course we all want to see immediate results and, and maybe you will, depends on you and the situation. Um, change can also happen in a cumulative way so that you see little bits of change over a period of time, but change can also be retroactive where you go for a while and you think, well, this isn't working. And then all of a sudden one day you wake up and you go, oh, how did, my, when did this change? When did I start to feel happier? Um, when did I start having the courage to go out and audition? Like, when did I start to say, step up, step on stage and go, yeah, this is great. So that's basically the outline of a session. And then what, what would be the follow-up? as a result. So. Okay. That's, that's interesting how it, it typically, it is a whole 21 day. Um, minimum. Cycle. Yeah. Minimum. Yeah. Minimum. And so, and there's always follow-up because yes. And at the beginning of the, the session we do, we, I ask you some questions so that we can say, oh, so that we can see, okay, um, on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you feeling? How motivated are you feeling? So on and so forth. So that at the end of the minimum of 21 days, then we go through and we do that again to see what changes there are, right? To see how you've changed. And from that, well, what else do you think you need to work on now as a result of that? Maybe you need to, and maybe you don't. It, it, just, it just depends, right? It depends on the client. It depends on the, on the issue. Yeah, and I know for a lot of us, we have a lot of different issues that, you know, 
come sure. from our childhood or even later in life. You know, I have sure. my issue of re regarding creativity. I have my issue regarding money blocks. I have sure. so many different triggers from my childhood. Do people tend to need to come back for each different thing or does one sometimes encompass a lot of different um, well, blocks that you might have? You know, again, it depends on the person. It depends on the issue. But then again, there's also a situation where it's like a spider web. You know, so many of these things are connected, right? And so for some people, just dealing dealing with the um, the performance anxiety will take care of other things that could be attached to it, right? It it just it just all depends, and it's totally up to the it's totally up to the client whether they want to come back for a second issue or not. I mean, it's it's up to them. Maybe they want to come back in six months. I I don't know. Like it. it it just depends what the client wants and and where they're where they're at. And you know, um, it's interesting. You know, not all of the 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 limiting beliefs that we have, you know, have occurred as a result of events in childhood. I mean, you know, I had I had I had a client who uh, this limiting belief came up in her early thirties, and it was it was all to do with the relationship with her spouse, right? So it, it depends. But I think the important thing to remember is incident equals belief. So whether the incident are positive is positive or negative, we formed a belief about ourselves, right? I mean, if your brother called you fat when you were 15, well, then you formed a belief about yourself. Um, if you're college, prof your English professor said, yeah, you'll never be a writer. So don't quit your day job. You formed a belief. Um, like I know, um, you know, um, in my sister's case, who happens to be an artist, you know, her, my parents said to her, well, you better get another, uh, another profession because art will not sustain, you know, you'll never make a living as an artist. Do you know how often does that come? You'll never make a living as a dancer, as a choreographer, as a as a as a writer, as a as a composer. Do you know it comes up so, and we carry that around with us, right? So, yeah, these limiting beliefs, you know, very very mm, so important to be aware of what could possibly be holding us back, and you know when you do some some of the or when you do that conscious regression that i suggested before you may find that that's not enough and you want to have a session great then you know come and have a session um you know what it might be enough for people to do the you know the what if scenarios like what if i get on stage and i trip during the dance number what if yeah. i get on stage and <laughs> i forget the words well, what you could do is you could do, yeah, the what if I get on stage and I forget, I forget the words. And of course you feel all of that stuff. It feels, ooh, in your stomach and every, everywhere. It's like, ooh. But if you immediately flip that and go, and what if I get on stage and I do remember the words and I sing and I get a standing ovation? What if my book gets published? What if I win the juried art exhibition? So you, 
it, if when you flip that, what if it, it immediately gives you a physiological change? And if you're going, yeah, what if I get up there and I'm such a success, they give me this multi-million dollar contract or whatever it is. If you try to go back to the what if I get up there and I, I freeze, I reckon it will be hard for you to get back there because you've now changed the, yeah, this is great. What if I succeed? You know, when, when I'm teaching the little kids and when we're doing um, a, a lot of movement in the room and I always go over the safety issues in the movement, you know, I don't want to see anybody touching anybody else. Um, because if you touch somebody else, you're going to go and sit over on the side. I don't want to see anybody, you know, um, uh, falling on the floor because that's, a, you know, I go through all of those things. And then invariably a kid will say, well, what happens if we accidentally do? And I say, well, what happens if you don't? And, th and this is what they do. They go. And then they start, they right away, they, it stops them and they start seeing pictures in my, oh yeah. Oh yeah, what happens if I don't? I still get to do this fun activity. So um, it's a really good way of just stopping that, right? Um, another another trick that that people can do is, you know, if before you get on stage, for example, you know, people say, oh, you know, I'm going to be so nervous, and and of course they're feeling all that. But you know, really, the things that you're feeling physically are exactly the same things you feel if you're excited. The butterflies in the stomach and you're, you're all this. And if you change it, it, the difference is the labels that we give. Oh, I'm feeling really nervous. Oh, this is really exciting. So all we have to do is change the label and it changes everything. Yeah, I'm excited to go on stage. I'm excited to talk about my work to people in the art, uh, at the art exhibition. I'm excited about submitting this. What are the possibilities? So, you know, that's another quick uh, trick that, that you can do. I know a colleague and I um, sometimes do this. If we're going into a meeting and it, the energy is like, oh, man, we have to go into this meeting. And, you know, this person, you know, they're going to be talking a lot. Uh, da, 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 da. But if we, we, we've said to each other, hey, wait. We have to switch this. This is going to be a great meeting. This is going to be great. What a great day. It changes the physiology immediately. And you yeah. can go into the meeting with an open mind. And then you're not going to be annoyed with that person who, you know, is talking like they always talk, right? So it's those little tricks if we can remember to do them, right? And then, you know, if we need more assistance, then, you know, come to me, call me, contact me, and, and I can help. Yeah, and I do have a question about that tactic, though, because I know that for me, I tend to think I do the what if the worst case scenario, what if the best case scenario, I think of the best case scenario, and then when the best, when it ends up maybe not the worst case scenario, but something that's not great, I feel... Uh -huh almost it it's almost creating another um another block for me of oh if i think something great is going to happen 
it's going to be a disappointment because this one time, uh-huh. how do you, how do we stop ourselves from creating a new block? A new block. When we are disappointed in something related to our, right. our creativity. Um, I think then what, what I would do then is I would, I would say, okay, it did this great thing that I wanted didn't quite happen, but you know what? The worst thing didn't happen either. So it's still a win-win, right? It's so it's, I think, I think it's, it's how you frame it. I didn't freeze up on stage. I did get through the number. Um, I, I, I forgot maybe a couple of words, but I didn't freeze up on stage. So it wasn't the worst case scenario. So then, okay, what is it? What is it? What do I need to do next? Right? So what do I need to do next? Do I need to go back and do like conscious regression again? Do I need to go back and do another? What if flip? Do I need to go now and talk to somebody about this? Right? Um, so I, so that's, that's what I would do. Um, uh, I would say, yeah, but the worst thing didn't happen. And so that's a win. So I still came out ahead this thing. Okay. What do I need to do to level up now? Right. So that's, that would be my suggestion. That's a good one because yeah, it's very rare that it actually does, you know, worst case scenario does happen. Well, that's exactly um, right. And, and really, you know, what are the, what are the chances of really the worst thing happening? Really, you know? Um, and so, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, that didn't happen, but this did. And that's, and I still came out better than if the, if the worst thing would have happened. Yeah, I still came out better. I'm still, you know what? I'm still alive to tell the tale, right? Um, And so I didn't die on stage. (laughs) I'm still alive to tell the tale. And I got, and I got through, right? I may have maybe stumbled a few steps and maybe nobody really noticed, but I did get through and I did get through without falling. You know, now next time, what am I going to do to prevent that from happening next time, right? So um, now this makes, this reminds me of when I was in university and um, I was doing my uh, piano performance um, course and, you know, there was always uh, a passage in a piece where, you know, I'd get the fingering wrong or I'd stumble. And so I, so I'd start again and da, 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 and I got to the same point again and I made the same mistake. And I went, oh, for heaven's sake. And so my, my piano professor at the time said, look, instead of practicing and stopping at the same point, what you have to do is you have to visualize that you not only play those two or three bars correctly, but you don't just stop there. You visualize and you see yourself playing the next three or four bars correctly. So you do that whole passage correctly. So you're practicing the correctness. You're practicing doing it. And so I, oh yeah. And before you know it, you know, it's like, it's not the worst case scenario now. It's like, maybe I, maybe I just like stumbled a bit, but I got through. 
I didn't stumble the way I did before and ha would have to stop completely. I actually got through. Now I need to know, I need to practice that trill or whatever it is. Okay, fine. I can do that. But now I'm not stopping making a dead stop at exactly that same point in, in the piece as I did before. So, you know, that, that situation reminds me of, of what you were talking about. You know, you didn't get it quite perfect, but still better than what the worst case scenario would have been. That is a great point and something that I need to try reminding myself of. Mm -hmm. And just a couple more questions. So sure. I, I mentioned earlier about how I was trying to do my own meditation and um, hypnotherapy kind of on my own. And it, for me, it ended up causing a lot of distress because I was trying to do this on my own rather yeah, than sure. working it with a professional. And I'd love to hear one, some, some of the importance of working with a professional and how do you find a professional like you who can be trusted and maybe a little bit about your website and where people can contact okay. you? Um, people can contact me on my website at carolynborishypnotherapy.com. <clears throat> and when you contact me and we set up that first discovery call to see if we can work together to see if I can actually help you. Um, if for, if for either reason, if you as the client don't feel that we connect, or if I feel that we don't connect, or if you, if your issue is an issue that, that is outside of my wheelhouse, then I can suggest to you a colleague who, that I know will be able to help you. And then you can contact that colleague and, you know, go through the same process of having a, a discovery call and see if you connect, see if you connect with that person and vice versa. You can also go on to um, rapid, rapid transformational hypnotherapy, the RTT um, uh, professional listings and there is a there will be a list of uh, RTT hypnotherapists in your area. If you want a face to face person, or even if you don't want to go face to face, if you still want to be in line, you still might want somebody in your geographical location. Or if it doesn't matter, because as we said earlier, I mean you can do this online anywhere in the world. You can go and you can explore. And, and then you can get on that person's website and find out what they offer and, you know, and what they're about. Yeah, because there are definitely some um, scammers out there for sure. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't need to plug my phone so it doesn't die. And, <laughs> and you and, cannot, yes, you cannot get on the RTT uh, professional listing unless you've gone through the training. And unless, uh, yeah, unless you've gone through the training. Last question. What tips would you give someone who wants to 
enhance their creativity to be more confident and they're maybe interested in something like hypnotherapy, but they're also very concerned about opening up and not quite ready to really have these kind of sessions with a hypnotherapist? Uh, a, cu a couple of things is that um, um, when you are in a session, if you do not want to talk about all of the details, you only need to share what you're comfortable sharing. Like you don't need to tell me exactly what happened to you. The important thing is what are the feelings that you came away with? I, I don't need to know the details of that situation. If you don't want to tell me, that's fine. But what are you feeling right now? Are you feeling as though you're, you're not good enough? Are you feeling as though um, anybody that you can't love anybody because they abandon you? But like what are the important thing is what are you feeling as a result of that? So you don't need to tell me the details, right? The other thing is um, when people um, want to work with me, if they're feeling a little, you know, unsteady about um, hypnosis and the whole thing, I can give them a pre-session recording so they get used to my voice. So we've all, uh, so in, so they, so they can see what hypnosis is all about so that they feel comfortable about what that process would be. So, um, so that, um, I think, I think that answers your question. Uh, would, would it? Absolutely. And I can say from my experience, like I was a little intimidated in the beginning. Um, but I felt definitely, um, it was only a few, it was only a few sessions, but I felt safe the whole time. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I felt that the money I spent was worth it. Um, yes. I did get a discount because I was a student, but right. even then, like, right. I felt it was worth it for me personally, right. because it did, it helped me kind of realize some of those core things that were going on sure. at the present time. And so... Sure. You know, and that ended up saving me money in the end because I was able to graduate college, not drop sure. out, and sure, sure, sure. that whole and, thing. So sure, and I think you know when I spoke earlier about <clears throat> doing that conscious regression where you go back to the happy, the a scene when you were happy as a kid, and then when you get to the part where you ask yourself at that age well, what would be the consequences of not doing it? And so in the same vein, what are going to, what will the consequences be if you do not get this issue resolved? What will the consequences be in terms of your physical health? Like maybe you are in a situation right now where you're feeling so stressed and anxious, um, you're not sleeping. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed. Maybe it's exhaustion and fatigue. <clears throat> Uh, maybe you're feeling um, helpless, for example. Maybe you're feeling as though you can't you can't ask for help. Um, so, <clears throat> sorry. So, if you are feeling all of those things and you're not getting any help, then also you're not probably not taking care of your physical well-being. Like you're probably not hydrating. You're probably not exercising. You're probably not doing self-care. And if you're not doing 
the mental well-being and the physical well-being, chances are you've got all of that stuff happening down in the sector of emotional well-being where, you know, you, you, your self-esteem is low and you're self-confident and, and you're not being motivated and you're not, you know, the emotional resilience isn't there. So basically we need to ask ourselves, what is the cost of not getting it resolved? The cost to ourself and the cost to our, our family. How is it affecting your um, professional relationships? How is it affecting your personal relationships? Because everyone's being affected. You know, if you're not sleeping, you know how irritable we can get and, and the anger, we're quick to rise to anger. And then what is, what is that doing to our to the people around us? So what is the cost of not is a huge question to ask. Absolutely agree. And I want to thank you again for all of the insight that, that you've given about hypnotherapy, kind of just, you know, demystifying some of it and some of the ways that it could help us with creatives. And of course, I want to thank everyone who tuned into this week's episode of the Success Palette. I hope that you learned a lot as well about hypnotherapy and creativity. To learn more about this podcast, please visit thesuccesspalette.com for all our social media links and a link to additional bonus episodes. Let's make this week a successful one. I was just a little girl. You left me scarred.